Welcome to the Fed Heads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the Fed Heads, Robert Shea and Francis Rose, each week to talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to another episode of Fed Heads. I'm Francis Rose. And I'm Robert Shea. You said before we went on the air, Robert, that the topic of today's podcast is something that is very near and dear to your heart. It's very important to you. Why is that? Nothing's really happened in government until it appears in the Federal Register. And then back in my day, we used to get hard copies every day delivered to our offices. That doesn't happen anymore, but it's nonetheless still true that official actions by the federal government need to appear in black and white somewhere, and that's considered notice to the American people that official action's taking place. It seems like a little thing, but it really is the fulcrum of all of the activity of the largest, most complex organization in the world. Before we get to our guest on the program today, who I can tell is very flattered by what you just said, I just have one piece of advice from me to you, not as co-host to co-host, but friend to friend. Never, ever again say back in my day. <laughs> just don't. Just eliminate that from your vocabulary because people are going to think, especially on the podcast, but in life in general, people are going to think that you're concurrently shaking your fist at the sun. I, I appreciate the advice, but we're talking about an artifice that was considered essential back in the day, and now it has completely been eliminated from uh, the the, the face of the earth. The hard copy, you're talking Yeah, about. that's right. That's well, right. John Hiram Martinez is Director of Publications and Services at the Office of the Federal Register. John, if somebody's going to come shake his fist at you, it's likely to be Robert. So I'll say <laughs> thank you for coming on. But I guess that's a great place to start, which is what does digital transformation look like at a place like the Federal Register that really is such an integral part of the operation of the federal government? Thank you for having me on, and that is a great starting question. Um, the paper form of the Federal Register started 1936 and is actually still with us today. It's still required by law, so it's still produced. Uh, we currently have 39 paper subscribers in the public, and about I think it's around 48 in the federal government that are still getting the paper. I would love that list. I it's would still love there. that list. <laughs> So, but you're right. Um, in 1994, we first put the Federal Register up online, and from that point, the access to it from the public has really changed. And also, you know, the expectation of what people expect from it, that it is here right now. We're not waiting till the mail tomorrow or next week. It is, if it happened yesterday, it should be in there today kind of thing. Um, in 2010, we really revamped the website at that time it was you know web 2.0 if you remember those days where to get more interaction with the public and so instead of really just being uh, an electronic presentation of the paper it became much more interactive where people could set up uh sub we call them subscriptions they are free but it's basically where they set up an account and say, I'm interested in these things, please tell me when these things happen, and you get an automatic email that morning, hey, this is published in the Federal Register, here's a link, go look. 
And so those, those kind of expectations have really changed um, over the years that instead of just we put it in paper and send it in the mail, we're done. There's a lot more interaction uh, with the public. You used a term there, I think, that is interesting in addition to the way that people are using. You wrote that access has changed. How has it changed, if at all, beyond paper to digital? Do, do people use the information that's contained in the Federal Register differently than they did when it was hard copy or different than when it was initially digital? Has that evolved or just the manner in which people access the information that's there? I think it has evolved. I mean, more people are aware of it. Still, probably not as many as there should be. If we really want people to know what's going on in the government, the Federal Register is a fine place to start. Uh, but it is a lot more. I mean, we've had, you know, I'm trying to remember the, the numbers, but it's around like 180 million visits in a year. And I would say that never happened in the paper. It was nowhere near that many people looking at it, being familiar with it using it and you know now if you wanted to quote from the federal register you can bring it up on a screen highlight copy paste it to whatever you need and so i think there's a lot more usage of that where anyone has access to it versus before when it was in paper it was you know certain sorts of, of either professions or interests that were would really be receiving a subscription a paper subscription to the federal register but now it's up online and you know, anytime you do a search, it can come up as one of the results in a search. I bet a lot of our listeners don't even understand your interaction with your customer agencies or branches of the government. Sure. I, I happen to know that in order to print the budget, it first has to get uh, go through the Federal Register. Um, and that must be true for a lot of publications. So... I'd be yeah, I should probably back up and explain a little bit where I come from, what this is. Uh, first off, we are the Office of the Federal Register. We are an office within the National Archives and Records Administration. Uh, however, the Federal Register Act sets up that we are responsible for the content and getting it together, but the Government Publishing Office, or GPO, is actually the one responsible for the publication and distribution of it. So it's a partnership between both of us. And our office is actually located in the GPO building, but we're not technically a part of GPO, um, although we have a very close working relationship with them. And actually, these websites, both the uh, CFR website, that's Code of Federal Regulations, and the Federal Register website, come from uh, GPO. And uh, they're responsible for them with our great input. So the Federal Register is the technical term gazette of the federal government. So that's basically where all notices are published and then also all proposed rules and rules. So basically anything that the executive branch does needs to come through here. And then there are other specific requirements to other agencies in both other branches that do from time to time get published in the Federal Register. So it's you know, we have a lot of proposed rules and rules, but then the notices, there are many different kinds of notices that just get put in there. And, you know, I, I've been at the Federal Register six years now, and every now and then something will come across and I'll think, oh, we published this too. Oh, I didn't know that, you know. So there, there is a lot in there, and it is published every business day, rain or shine. So if it were printed, then if it were printed, how many pages are we talking about? 
Um, actually, I've got numbers. <laughs> Let's see. Um, a visual aid on a podcast. Yes, visual aid on a podcast. Um, Just hold it up to the microphone so that the, <laughs> the listeners can see Let it. Let me see here. Works every time. Um, 2019, uh, in the Federal Register, there were 71,851 pages printed. Wow. I'm a little bit bummed out, I have to admit, that you mentioned the GPO, John, because I was going to feel really smart by saying, I imagine you have quite a partnership with the government publishing <laughs> office. I imagine that yes, you do. work very closely together. Tell me about that collaboration, and you pretty much got that done. <laughs> yeah, it is an interesting collaboration. It is statutorily set in the uh, Federal Register Act. Uh, been working closely with them since 1935, and then the first register was published in March of 1936. And Working close with them, although at that time they were the government printing office. They have now right. changed to the government publishing office. Still GPO. You mentioned uh, CFR, and yeah. you have a beta website for CFR. Talk about that digital transformation and what that means, and whether are there benefits to that transformation above and beyond just the whole digitization uh, kind of transformation that a lot of organizations are going through. You bet. Uh, the first uh, and still the current uh, Code of Federal Regulations website uh, came about 1999-2000, and that's what we're still using. Uh, it's based on um, SGML, Standard Generalized Markup Language, uh, and so there are some limitations. It was great at the time, uh, but the beta site uh, that we're developing is based on XML, or extensible markup language, so there's a lot more we can do with it. And I should probably back up. Code of Federal Regulations is where all those final rules get codified and where people can find them. Uh, so the, uh, the team that works on the Federal Register, a couple years ago, we started working on an associated uh, e um, ECFR. So the, we have the Code of Federal Regulations is published in paper once a year. And that is also put on the GPO website, govinfo.gov. And so that is the technical official. It's signed, digitally signed PDFs, those are considered official, and that's the once a year update. The eCFR is a daily update. It's authoritative because those paper copies ultimately come from that. But technically, it's not official. You couldn't take it to court and say, here it is. You have to use the paper. But the ECFR is updated every day. We're about two business days behind, depending on how much work has to be done each day. But it's pretty up-to-date versus the paper ones. Certain titles, a lot can happen in a year, and there could be a lot of changes you're not seeing. So the beta ECFR, we wanted to do with that similar to what we had done back in 2010 with the Federal Register, where we add uh, accounts. You know, we call them subscriptions. And actually in this beta, because it's made by the same team, if you have an FR account, a Federal Register account, you'll automatically have the beta ECFR account when it comes out so that you can, in that same account, highlight what you want, um, either out of the Federal Register or out of the, the CFR. Um, also, one of the things that the current, the SGML-based one, does have versioning where you can put in a date for the last few years 
and it will show you what that website looked like on that day. But that's it. On the beta website, you can do that, but then you can also compare. You can say, okay, this section in this rule looks like this today. Show me what the differences are from two years ago, and you'll actually get a strike through an underscore of here are the changes. Wow. And then a list of where all those changes came from with links to the Federal Register so you can see exactly what was printed in the Federal Register that made those amendments in the CFR. It reinforces your position in the National Archives, right? You are archiving uh, all of the activity, the publications of the government in whatever form. Exactly. Harkening back to my training, I'm actually a certified archivist. (laughs) What's your timeline look like for that? Oh, in April, we put uh, a small select inside government group uh, to give us comments on that before we go out to the public. We're hoping within the next month we can go out to the public and say, here is our beta site. It w- we're planning to remain in beta for probably a year or so uh, to fine-tune it. Uh, we have received comments from uh, the internal groups that have looked at it. You know, we, we look at a website so long, we think they're great, and then other people <laughs> coming to it for the first time are like, what are you thinking? What's this? I can't find that. Why am I scrolling? Yeah. So it's been an interesting, you know, fine-tuning this product. But uh, So th- that's the plan. And so, I'll definitely let you know when it comes out. Yeah, I'm just figuring I, that means I have about a month, maybe six weeks, before I just finally lose Robert just completely down <laughs> the rat hole, and he's just on every waking hour spent going through that site. Our guest is automating it, so it'll be much easier than it has been in the past. That's right. He could set up an account, and then every morning he would receive an email, so he wouldn't have to do that his work, that work himself. No, but he'd have so, to then go read whatever it was that he asked oh, to. that is true. I mean, and that's going to take, my, my have, suspicion is have, that's going to take a lot of time. I have teams of people for that, Francis. Yeah. Well, I, okay. <laughs> We could just keep going and going. Um, John, What, from a personal perspective as an archivist, what has been the technological advancement that has made the biggest difference in the mission of an archivist on a day-to-day basis? Well, I definitely think having things online or making either finding aids online or digitized copies of things online uh, in this job in particular, one big project that uh, we partnered with the Federal Depository Library Program, uh, they digitized all of the federal registers back to the beginning in 1936. So all of those are available online. Uh, currently, they're on govinfo.gov. They're all there. On federalregister.gov, you can't browse them, but you can search for them. If you put in a citation back in, like, say, the 1940s, it will come up and say, are you looking for this citation? And then you can actually see the digitized copy of it. Can you see on Skype how large Robert's eyes have gotten? <laughs> yes. <laughs> see that. So what's, tell us something funny. What is, what's the weirdest thing that has found its way into the Federal Register that shouldn't have? Oh, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure. When I go searching at stuff that I'm interested in, and one of the things I found that was kind of cool is that the NASA emblem was formally put in rule and the NASA flag uh, when those uh, – and it wasn't immediately when that agency was created, but a few years later. So uh, every now and then when I teach a class on what's in the uh, CFR, I'll say, look, this is in the CFR, a flag. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but we other do things, a whole podcast on that. 
Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of interesting things in there. Well, John, the Federal Register, as Robert eloquently said at the beginning of our conversation, is tremendously important to the business of government, doesn't get a lot of focus, and we're grateful for your time to come on and talk about your work today. You bet. Thank you. This was fun. Thanks for listening to The Fed Heads, brought to you by Grant Thornton Public Sector. All of the resources talked about during the episode are available in the episode description. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector to join the conversation. And don't forget to leave us a comment or review on iTunes or the Google Play Store.